1: Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast.
2: Plus, you can always listen to all of our episodes, old and new, on the Broadway Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify. She has been praised,
1: and rightfully so, as one of the musical theater's most iconic dancers. Her work on and off the stage, as well as the big screen, has inspired countless artists from all across the world to emulate her style, technique, and most importantly, passion for the craft.
2: Her onstage credits include Fiddler on the Roof, Cabaret, Coco, Pippin, over here, Good Time Charlie, a chorus line, Chicago—that's uh, both the original and the revival—and uh, dancing. Uh, on-screen audiences have seen her in things like All That Jazz and Annie. And off-screen, she has become one of the most recognized advocates of the Marvin Foundation, and she holds an honorary doctorate from Florida State University.
1: <laughs> I have never felt more intimidated in my life. So to <laughs> tell us what it was like to work no. with <laughs> to work with such legends. This is John Kander, Fred Ebb, Bob Fosse, Michael Bennett, Catherine Hepburn, Patty, and Maxine Andrews, and so many more. Please welcome the Tony Award-winning Anne Ryan King, and welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: We are. In, when do you sleep? My God.
0: No <laughs> I'm tired, but I, I, I'm very <laughs> flattered for the intro, but I, I, I too am exhausted now.
3: <laughs> I, I have to, I, we
1: go in a little bit of a nonlinear fashion. So I'm just going to ask you, because so I'm, I'm so curious. What is it like to do a musical with Katherine Hepburn?
0: Oh, extraordinary! Um, first of all, she's very, very hands-on. I think her uh, her reputation is actually quite true. She is she wants to know everything that's happening, why it's happening, so that she can assimilate it and for her own performance. I think she was great to work with as professionally. Especially, she was very professional, very hardworking. And and even at that stage in her life, 60-something, she was still incredibly beautiful and yeah. dynamic. Um, I think one time she said, because she'd sit down with everybody and chit-chat, you know. So mm-hmm. um, one time she said, you know, I'm definitely not French, and uh, I'm not, you know, don't even look really like Coco Chanel, but I want to find a way to get her spirit into my body that's and she uh was very open and candid about that so that she said you know i when i walk through a room i'm katherine hepburn first and then i'm whatever character i you know portray but she was very aware that her uh persona and her image always was front and center because she's a huge star and her dilemma or her challenge, I should say, not dilemma, was to be able to embrace someone else's spirit
3: mm. uh,
0: into the fact that it's Coco Chanel and Catherine Hepburn. How do you put those two together and, and not abuse either one uh, or neglect either one? So um, and she, that I thought was a very interesting conundrum because uh, I didn't really think about that. Yeah, You know, uh, I just thought you would blend in. I was young then. I was 19, so I thought you would just sort of blend in, uh, and that it was, if you're a great actress, uh, you're a great actress. Uh, that, uh, But everybody, that's where I really understood on every level of theater that everybody has a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody has a free ride. Uh, everybody has... It doesn't matter. You can go, you can do brilliantly in one show and then there's another show that is tougher on your, um, abilities and uh, how do you get from A to Z, uh, you know, starting literally from ground zero. Yeah. So, um, there aren't any real breaks in this business. You make your own breaks. Uh, you need, you need some luck but you have to have the talent to back up the luck. Everybody needs luck and good fortune. So, you know, I saw that she definitely thought this was a wonderful role to do. She wanted to be on Broadway. She loves musicals, loves mm-hmm. them. And uh, and the challenge was, is how do I make people believe mm-hmm. that I'm a French woman that designs clothes? in a revolutionary way, because she put women in pants, she took the corset away, she little black dress, uh, you know, um, costume jewelry, so anybody could look elegant, the suit that transformed uh, into all business, but still feminine. I mean, these are amazing challenges that she did that at the time, nobody was without a corset. If you told somebody in 1918 that by the time it was 1920-something, you'd be wearing a dress up to the knees, no uh, undergarments at all except a teddy, and it would be a backless dress. (laughs) You know, so that's, that's the gist of it. And I think she realized that she herself was... Uh, a grande dame in that revolution uh, to where she did wear one of the first to wear slacks. She was a revolutionary. She was a feminist before feminists were feminists. Right. And uh, it, it, so I think she saw that the rebel in Coco Chanel was the rebel in Catherine Hepburn, and that's how they wed. You know? I love that. So, um, mm. And when I watched her solve that, it's simple when you answer the question, but the answer can sometimes take a a long time to answer and the simpler it is the harder it is to see it that's my yeah um, you know <laughs> yeah, what i so mean true. it's so simple so that you need a genius to fix it you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> now you had mentioned earlier her work ethic where do you think you get your work ethic from
0: from people like her obviously from my teachers and my own family mm. uh because um, i've been a hard work and then some that is you know innate uh and luckily i love what i do even the downside uh, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm energized anyway, and I want to, you know, just going in, I have energy, and I want to honor our craft because it's unique. And uh, and also, I when I teach, I tell students, I said, you have to love this as much as a mother loves her child, mm-hmm. uh, as much as, and be dedicated. You know, if you're a doctor and a nurse, you are going to lose some patients, but you want to know that you've done everything you can to save that patient. And, that, and that's how I feel about theater. Mm. You know, you're not going to have everything be a hit, but you want to be able to go to bed at night knowing that you did everything, everything within your power. And it was uh, getting back to Catherine Hepburn. That was evident the moment she walked in the room. Yeah she had that kind of respect for her craft and for people. She really was a cool person to meet. Sometimes you meet uh, someone who's in theater and and you realize that you get the best of them uh, for the price of the ticket. Yes,
3: totally. (laughs) Totally.
0: So when somebody, Julie Andrews is the same person, uh, you are not disappointed. You are inspired by that person. And they just walk in with a good work ethic. So just by osmosis, you know, my work ethic was better just because <laughs> I was next to them. You can feel them. Same thing with oh, Cheetah and Gwen. I mean, oh, one yeah. time we was standing next to Cheetah we were doing nowadays for a benefit. And I said, you know, you, there's so much energy coming off of you. I think I'm going to knock it you know, I feel like you're going to knock me over. <laughs> so I had to kind of, you know, buck up to that energy that without yeah. even starting to sing, yeah. you know, oh. or dance. Contagious. It's huge, huge energy coming off of her. And, you know, those people are really great friends in every sense of the word because you do come up to them in their energy and, uh, and you want to honor that. And it's a great teaching, to uh, be able to go to master classes one way or the other to where a star is in that room because they all have the same thing. They have a big bunch of energy coming in before they even get across the threshold. And that energy is so important to feel as Mm -hmm. a student. And I've been lucky in the people who have taught me. They've been great people.
1: Who was your first dance teacher that you felt had a real big impact on you?
0: Uh, definitely the first three, uh, Mary and Alara Ladre, uh, Alara, her, uh, maiden name is Obadana, and they were with the original Diegalov of Valerius de Monte Carlo. My she God. went to school with Balanchine at the Mariensky. Oh, wow. Uh, she also went through the revolution and she escaped. So this oh. is huge. So these people valued life. And then one of their- And the arts. And the arts, yes. And- I, I, one time, I wanted to take a trip down the Amalfi Coast because they described it so beautifully. And I also wanted to go to uh, M- Monaco because I wanted to see uh, where they lived. And one of the things, and where they performed, because one of the things they said is not only were we not uh, as afraid anymore, but we weren't hungry anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, as a child, that was, I had just never experienced anybody who actually. Mm had that much deprivation in their life. Yeah. And, yeah. and were they
2: in Seattle that you met them? Is that where you grew yeah. up? I mean, they were yeah. they, they had somehow come over to our country and then gone there.
0: And decided well, Seattle was the place to be, just like Robert Jeffrey. I mean, who knew?
2: Yeah, <laughs> you know? <so> lucky. And <laughs> lucky for you that you uh, had such well, wonderful – spe- teachers are so important, you know, and, and, and affecting crucial. our lives. Yeah, yeah. they're
0: yeah. crucial. And then they had a marvelous student who was a generation or so ahead of me And her name was Gwen Barker. And she, between those three and the scholarships that I had with San Francisco Ballet and also with Joffrey, those were the things that made me able to, I just turned 18 and I went to New York, didn't know anybody and uh, started from scratch. But it was that uh, beginning in my life, plus my parents and my family that really gave me The courage and the self belief that I I could do this. And I just wanted to. I was so in love
2: with it. Well, clearly, you have to. They must have, it sounds like they were very supportive, your parents, of of this journey of you going into the arts. Um, Yeah, my
0: parents were very supportive in the best sense of the word. And I didn't realize it at the time. But (laughs) I had to earn everything on my own. And I had to uh, go to work. They didn't give me any money. So I went to New York with a round trip ticket. That was. I had to be able to get back just in case and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and, uh, $500 and, as I like to say, my allowance was 50 cents, so I thought I was rich, and of course, I was <laughs> not. But.
2: <laughs> but still, that's nice that you had that little bit to keep. How did you know what to, you know, some people, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of musical theater schools in that, those those days, but oh. how did you know what to do? I mean, how did you know auditioning? And, and and the other follow-up is, did you go wanting to be a ballerina, or did you go wanting to be in in, in the showbiz, you know, the musical comedy?
0: I was really fortunate uh, that I did get the scholarship with Robert Joffrey for many reasons, but the main one amongst many was, uh, you know, when all the classes were done and we were back at the dormitories and after, you know, dinner, we'd all get together outside. It was a summer intensive and, uh, and everybody started dancing. So when it was my turn, I just got up and sang. And uh, <laughs> like a little doll here, anything. And, um, and I was uh, I had a lot of personality and joke. I like to have fun learning, and uh, so Mister Joffrey said, I, "Look, I don't want you to take this in the wrong way. If you want to be a ballet dancer, you can be. You'd have to work hard, but you have to work hard at anything. Uh, but so I'm not telling you this to discourage you, but." knowing your personality and having heard you belt out a song or two um, and that you are a very good dancer. He said, I think you'd be happier on Broadway. And I was thrilled that he said that because I had no pun intended one foot in amateur, you know, musicals and plays and another foot in classical ballet and, and, and in those amateur performances. Uh, and, um and, so when I got my five hundred dollars that was ready to go that I had earned, I knew I was directed thanks to Mister Joffrey. I said, "Okay, I'm going to go into Broadway." And then after that, I went into uh, Fiddler on the Roof, which was a touring company, and uh, then the last two months of, of Cabaret because it was by the Hell Prince office,
2: right? So and, and these were just these were just. Did you go to random open auditions that you just knew
0: more Fiddler. There were yeah. 500 people. I think what was helpful was I was strong in ballet and a lot of the um, uh, of the audition material was ballet mm-hmm. because of Robbins and Tommy Abbott was a person who uh, he was in West Side Story. He was a very big deal at the office and a very beautiful dancer. And so the the auditions were ballet. So I had that strength behind me and so some of us got to stay and see if we could sing and I could, I could sing. So, um, it's, I think that's why the combination of, of the two, uh, they didn't, they don't have to take anybody from an open call, but they did no. take me. Mm-hmm. I
2: was you, just going to ask what your, what your, uh, what your normal sort of go-to, we love asking our guests this, what was your go-to audition song? Did you have like your up tune that you always sang or your ballad?
0: Yeah, I didn't know I was going to sing, so I told uh, uh, Milton Green, uh, the the musical director, I said, I I don't have any music, but if you could do Summertime in an alto key, um, I'd be glad to sing it. (laughs) (laughs) And they could. You know, Sandy Campbell plays the piano. She was great. Uh, And uh, so I sang. The first verse, and I'm I'm just performing the heck out of it. I'm going to the second balcony, the fifth balcony. Down to the first, so I'm really going for it, and then the 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 director, the music director said, um, "Thank you." You know, after you know, sixteen bars, because I didn't know that either, and so I thought he had made a mistake. I said, "Oh no, no, no there's more." <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You know, like an innocent child. So innocent. And he goes, Oh, okay. (laughs) And I sang the second verse. Not only did I I finish the first, but I went, because I thought the second verse was beautiful, you know. Better, even better, even better. I think I got there. That (laughs) I think I got the job because you got their attention. I endeared myself to them, and I was obviously (laughs) innocent to this whole process. You know, I love.
3: I love (laughs) that. Absolutely
0: (laughs) love that.
2: What do you
1: think has been the most challenging project you've ever had to deal with, whether on stage or off stage, but one that really tested your your creativity and skill set?
0: What there was a show called Wild and Wonderful that I did. (laughs) <laughs> that did not yes. succeed. Yeah, it did not succeed. We had one night, and that was it. I didn't have much money. It was. It did not work. Uh, and, and did you know I,
2: that even at that age, did you know? Could you tell uh, that it didn't I, work? Or
0: I had a feeling it wouldn't.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But you like, like I said, you have to. Everything is a living entity, and you must take it to the best of your ability. But it was a failure, uh, and failure is hard to deal with. But ironically, and par- the paradox is success is actually harder.
3: Mm.
0: It's, it's just the strangest Wh- why? thing. Uh, well, if it's a big success, everybody wants you. And you don't know who is genuine, who's not genuine, you know, um, who's going to not like you anymore because you succeeded and they didn't. Yeah. You yeah. know, you you can lose friends, you can lose family members, love if you succeed. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of of, of turmoil. Uh, was success and you can't really uh, except for your shrink uh, You can't really complain to anybody about it or talk about it because it doesn't right. you know you sound like you're ungrateful and, uh, and It's like t- the phrase is holding a tiger by the tail is exactly what it is
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you, I, The moment I realized I couldn't control it. So I just said let go let let it be uh, mm-hmm. You know what is is and uh, do the Serenity Prayer, and and uh, try and stay strong as a person. And um, and and what I can do, I will do. What I can't, I'll just hope for the best. And this is the hard part: is the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, that is that is a big struggle throughout my life, you know, because I just want to fix everything. Uh, there's a whole lot of mother in me which I think is very good for show business, but it, it can make me a little neurotic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's hard. That's a hard balance.
0: Yeah. It's a hard balance. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you have to be aware of it to begin with and then practice, practice, you know,
1: tell us a little bit about working with Michael Bennett. Um, and a little bit about what you learned uh, about yourself working through him.
0: Oh, I love working with Michael Bennett. He was at one point a very cloaked person and that's why Bob Avian was a, and I mean this in the best sense of the world, he was private. And I you couldn't really read his mind or tell what he was thinking, but Bob Avian was his uh, associate and he was excellent, they were an excellent team because Bob was very um, friendly and open, he was easy to talk to, um, and and. Michael was so concentrated, you know, in Coco, but I knew he was so talented. And he actually uh did do a lot of the directing because the director, Michael, I think his name Benthel, became very ill. And uh and so Michael started taking over some of the directing. And I could tell right off the bat, you know, he was that good that oh, this yeah. man big talent. So I just wanted to do the best I could. But I didn't really get to know Michael that much during that time. Um, I uh, got to know him when I did Cassie. He took me out to dinner. He was very friendly, very nice. Uh, I was at ease. I spoke to him, and, uh, you know, as if he was, you know, my friend and right. uh, he was just gracious and nice. And he was very supportive. I fell down once, and I thought I was going to get fired. And he said, "No, it's life's theater. This happens." Oh. You know. And he was very, very sweet, very nice. Fabian was a great human being, and I enjoyed knowing them a lot. And uh, uh, he, for me, a lot of people seem un, uh, unapproachable when you're real young,
3: mm. and
0: then you find out later that they're really quite approachable there. Like I said, nobody gets an easy ride. Nobody gets a free ride. Uh, I realized early on that my, uh, my duty or the thing I had to do the most was create trust and, and try and keep that man or that woman from not being so nervous that they can't push through something because they're doing it on the spot, you know, so that you've got to create trust, show them that you, you're not judging that you're gonna, you know, do the best you can for them and for the show. And I think a lot of kids miss that part of the element that if if someone just isn't brilliant right off the bat, you kind of close off, or close down on them. You must never do that. You mm-hmm. must be the person and to the creator. And uh, I've seen choreographers, people who don't have as great a technique as someone else but they're, they're going to change the choreographer because they trust that person the choreography because they trust that person
3: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and that person's going to do their homework and come back better the next day and that person's supportive um no everybody gets the same ratio we all get a glass when we're born no matter how much money we're born into or not born into the glass is half empty or half full and and everybody has that, and it's it's how you handle how you parlay that notion,
3: yeah.
0: and uh, also to to say an answer that a child said once. Uh, she said, "Well, why don't you just fill it up?" You know, she was <laughs> talking about half empty, half full, so and that was a good question. <laughs> yeah. It's a very good question. So you can fill your glass up, or you can you can drink it down and ruin yourself. So, but everybody starts off with half empty, half full.
1: Pippin how does uh-huh. Pippin come into your orbit
0: I had followed Bob's career forever for some reason I was you know, I liked the work he did. I, I, I would watch Gwen Burton on Ed Sullivan or, you know, Dinah Shore shows. And these numbers and, and her dancing and her ability was unique. I'd never seen anything like that before. And I felt it was elegant, along with being sensual and witty. There was an elegance to it that I really enjoyed. So here came this, uh, here comes this, uh, uh opportunity called pippin and i am a member of equity so i'm going to an equity call this time (laughs) which is a big difference it helps oh yeah (laughs) and uh he used we just started working once we got past the t for two audition uh, which had a lot of ballet in it and syncopation he started if you watch uh all that jazz it's a combination to on broadway
3: Mm. Let's see, ah. The
0: neon, yeah, but yeah. it's cheaper too. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he he's he took from the vaudeville world so much. Of course, Part that's of where he better. came from. Yeah. yeah, his education was that. So anyway, once you got past that, then we got into um a Pippin combination uh cure, and there was this, and I had never done isolations. Uh, I'd done a little. I'd done a little, not a lot. I wanted to and uh, but I if I was going to class it was always a ballet class so mm-hmm, of course I, and and I was I- I afraid to go to a jazz class cuz it was just so different so it was my problem not anybody else's but this combination was so beautiful I just I had to make it work and um I just kept even if I my number wasn't up to do it on stage I was always off doing it behind uh so that I could get it and then there was this other part where there was an improvisation but the guidance was is you have a balloon and then while you're doing these isolations you're going to catch the balloon and you know and watch it go and catch it again with the other hand you could put it around you, put it on your head, and then let it roll off you, and you catch it. Those were the hints, and uh, so I did all that, and then Bob started coming up on stage and working with all of us, and he he said he said you know why don't you try this move because it says the same thing, but I think it's going to be better on you this one. So I did, and we started all of a sudden, all of us were working. We weren't auditioning anymore. We were working, and uh, and it was. I said after it was all over, I said, "Gee, even if I don't get this, this is the best day I've ever had." Uh, you know, and we went back three times. He he was really taking his time to discern who we wanted, and because it was a small group, uh, and um, and he really wanted people who trusted him. Hmm first and foremost, and uh, um, and then, you know, can they, even if they can't get the style right then and there, can they get the style in rehearsal? And, uh, um, and by the time those three days were up, he was like a friend, you know, um, uh, a great guy. And he danced beautifully. And uh, um, so I got the job and I told my father, I said, you know, we're working 12-hour days, you know, when you do 10 out of 12. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and And I said, you know, it doesn't bother me. I don't even get tired. It's so inspiring, this work. And he gave we were the other star. There were the stars of, of Pippin, and there then there was the ensemble, and they were the star too. And it's the same combination in Chicago: five principles, and then the ensemble. They're the sixth star. Mm-hmm. So he dealt with the ensemble, as did many, many times, so did Michael Bennett. I think people come from dance like Jerome Robbins, Agnes DeMille, Michael, Tommy Toon, Bob they revere dancing so much so that the ensemble becomes, uh, an important entity right. to an, an extension
2: of that almost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're so, um, right. and it helps, it helps. Um, so I, I was also fortunate to sort of live through the dance boom, so to speak, you know, um, you know, where the triple threat was required. Um, but, you know, if dancing is the strongest suit. And yep. it was with a lot with Michael and Tommy and uh, Bob. Uh, you know, I, I even worked a little bit with Agnes DeMille. I was recreating. Oh, that was another good day.
3: What, what, uh, what was, was that?
0: Uh, it was for uh, American Dance Machine. Uh. We were recreating, remember? It was oh, recreating, so great. Uh, All of the. Um, the Painter Wagon it. De de so um, I had learned it from somebody who had already worked with, with uh, Agnes. And then Agnes came for the, the taping of it. Mm-hmm. And her images, her ability to speak. Uh, she was a brilliant writer. She's the best person to read if you want to. Read about dance. She's one of the best, you know that she can make in a verbal quest. She can make dance come alive and you could see it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, and the things that she imparted were so true like, you know, uh, You're basically even though you you're in uh, in the west and you're Not a woman of good repute. You're still innocent You're still exceptionally young. Most people died at a certain age and young age. These minors that came to 49ers, as she said, that came to the West. And uh, so that you have to see it as somebody who's being bombarded with no rules, especially for women, but still innocent. You're not that old. And I, it just all of a sudden made that dance come alive. It went beyond Romantic. It had layers and, and uh, Tommy Toon works that way, Bob works that way, Michael, any of the dance, great dancers that choreographed, they all work the same way. The, the, the steps are your verbiage and uh, they're important. And, uh, and, and I'm not saying anything against, you know, if you're just doing, you know, dance for dance sake, I think that's great too. But in musical theater, you have to tell a story. So they are, words and these steps so um I really loved what I was doing but I loved it more after these people you know uh after I worked with these people uh it just only increased my adoration not only for them but also uh my respect for dance and that was pretty high up anyway and so I went to the stratosphere. Yeah, So, you know, uh, even when they got cranky, I said, what can I do to help, you know? <laughs> them. They have to do 16 numbers in like six weeks. I mean, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> you know? Know, so much dance in that. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. Yeah. W- would you be able to talk a little bit about uh, how the Manson Trio came about oh, in, yeah. in Pippin?
0: We're learning glory, and that's where the Manson Trio is. We're learning glory, and... It's a very good song. And then Bob wanted, okay, now I want a vaudeville uh, moment here. And he was working with the dance director and with Stephen Schwartz. And I watched these three people take this number that was lovely. I mean, good, very good, but only a couple of pages and turn it into an opus almost of great variety. Uh, and. Um, Bob, this is a fun piece of information. Um, the Charles Manson trio was created on, come on, baby, let the good times roll uh, with Harry Nielsen singing it. Oh and, wow. uh, so, Yeah. So he had had that almost created by the time we went to rehearsal. And a lot of the Charles Manson was also in the audition step. So a lot of that isolation, a lot of stuff pumping underneath, but you're showing the nothing. It just has to go through your eyes to where the audience has to say, something's not right here, you know, get an itch on the back of their neck and uh, and it's loaded, but it's so pure at the same time. It's a real paradox. And, um, and so, when he did that i was stunned now it's not that unusual i just never had seen it be done in front of me like if you Watch a lot of MGM Fred Astaire. Do you see those big, long, elongated numbers where they're dancing? They switch gears all the time. It's the same melody, but it's the melody gone Charleston or the melody gone right. step. You know that kind of thing. Right. Rearranged. Rearranged, yes. And uh, so uh, the arrangements are key, and he was good at that, Bob. He was, and so was Agnes. She could read music. Uh, a lot of these people were musicians at, uh, uh, on their own. Uh, that was so cool. And then when he said, when he gave the imagery of this really cool trio, he said, behind you are going to be these desks. And they're beautiful and they're all in slow motion. And you're dancing in front of them like nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you're uh, the sort of the, propaganda of war that war is kind of cool and at what place glory but glory and uh and but uh, and you didn't see those people you know die or they you know so the the juxtaposition of those two images of these you know doffing their hat and cane and uh and it's kind of classic vaudeville but at half uh at half tempo,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, but you have the energy. Uh, Gwen used to say, uh, the energy never stops, even if you do. It's like a sewing machine inside your body that goes up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. Everything on your face is placid, but if you have that energy inside, it comes out through the eyes. Oh, yeah. And the, yeah. And the, the, uh, t- um, the tension in the room is palpable. And uh, so learning it like that. And also, until they, the dance arranger made it, you know, the, made it like, come on, baby, let the good times roll. When we danced mm. it, come on, baby, let the good times roll. It was eerie. Mm. It was eerie. And it was very, I would say anti-war. But it was actually anti-glamor. Because we glamorize everything. We glamorize, well, Chicago's the same thing. We glamorize killers. They're on TV more than, the, more than our teachers, more than our parents, yeah. more than anybody yeah. who give you some good advice. Uh, the bad boy and the bad girl get more attention than anybody. That's and, true. you know, we should question that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, glamour can kill uh, just probably as many people as war.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, so, you know, so you're dealing with big ideas, but you're not supposed to show big ideas. You're just supposed to feel them. Mm so it's your education about it. so that was absolutely cool i could not wait to get to work you know when i did 10 out of 12s so i really didn't want to take two hours off to eat lunch and dinner you know i wanted to continue to dance it was just so neat and um and bob you know once i got to know um michael during uh a chorus line. I was so grateful I had that second opportunity because I really liked Michael. But in the beginning, he was this mystery to me.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Then, you know, and then I realized this is a nice guy mm. uh, under a lot of pressure. You know, at that point he's got the world's greatest show in his hands, and everybody wants a piece of him. And he stayed nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheetah Rivera said that once. Uh oh, looks like three nice women are going to turn mean, and I just started laughing. Before <laughs> words were said, you don't want to turn mean. You want to stay nice. <laughs>
2: Good morning, Mama. Liza, darling. We've got to help the boys it behind the curtain. Oh, Broadway's living legends. Oh, it's marvelous. Well, what, what would they like? Some cream of wheat? No, Mama, they want some money. Money? Well, let's send him a great big bag of money. No, all you have to do is go to Patreon.com. You know, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and, and you set up a monthly donation. Money makes the world go around, Mama. Oh, don't I? know? dot Patreon.com. Do it now.
1: And when you were when you were doing shows at night, during the day, were you taking acting classes, singing classes, how are you keeping your instrument active?
0: Yeah, you, 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 well, I also went to auditions, you know, like yeah. for commercials, because I ha- I, I'm i very bad at auditioning and I have a real fear of them. So I said, oh. you know, can you send me up for every commercial known to mankind so I could do at least two auditions a day, cold readings? You know, I, I went to try, I wanted to get the job, but I had to practice auditioning. So um, I did that. Uh, I went, of course, to ballet class because I'm too chicken to go to jazz class. But I stayed in shape that way. You know what I mean? Uh (laughs) And I went, I had a lovely voice teacher who was like everybody's grandmother and she really could teach. Uh, And she got it so that I could do a whole show and not get laryngitis, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, gave me a technique. So she said, look, you sing on key, you've got... You have support. You're you're loud. You know, it's a nice way of saying that. But hear you. That's key because nothing's good if they can't hear you. One it's of true. my best directions was from Gene Sachs. It's not funny if they can't hear you. And, you know, and I said, "Well, there's the truth." You know, because I was <laughs> I was kind of you know I don't know what I was uh, giving it enough force. This was in by my flirting <laughs> with Tommy, and I said, "No, truer words were said." It's not, if they can't hear you, nothing's nothing. Yeah. You know that's the first right. requirement. You know, not even a
2: chance. Not even yeah, a chance. No, you, there's no, no chance no, for a laugh. Then,
0: uh-uh, <laughs> so um, and she was like that. She just said, "Look, we're going to do a lot of practical things. Uh, we're going to get you so you can support yourselves, and, uh, and 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 we're try to make the sound sweeter." Um, he says, "You've got a croaky voice, so we're going to work with that. That's who you are." Uh, but she said, I'm going to have you sing some opera because I want you to be able to get to continue your sound, but to have it stay healthy. Mm. Mm. So, um, uh, and she really understood my, uh, predicament and, uh, and, and really, really helped me. So I would take two or three voice lessons. I didn't take as many dance classes as I could have because, I was I suffered from fatigue from time to time really serious fatigue and I found out later this is after I retired I started having real trouble breathing and I had real trouble with anxiety inappropriate anxiety and a backache that would not go away and uh, so si- finally uh, someone said I think you should see a cardiologist it turns out I had a hole in my heart from the day I was born What? yeah i know and by the time i stopped dancing and it was really giving me you know serious trouble uh uh, it was pretty large and i had a trans ischemic uh, uh, event stroke like event um you know i just was going downhill and but they could fix it which was great and i feel a lot better but uh, you know at certain points i said now I know why I was so tired all of the time. Oh you know? yeah, so I was like, yeah. I'm being on stage, and my legs would feel like lead. And you know, dancers just push through it. There's you oh, know, that's, of course, yes. And, and it, so it explained a lot. Fortunately, I, it didn't kill me, but it just what's the one thing a girl with a hole in her heart shouldn't do? Dance real hard on Broadway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're laughing, but you I mean that's and that's I, what I, dancers do. Do you want a career? Yes, and yeah, well, that's what you, you know,
0: do. And it probably would have been better that I didn't know because I'd have been cautious and it would have yeah. you know, uh I would have be talking about something different, you know. But uh, and I love my life. Uh, yeah. Very happy for it. And uh, just was lucky that they caught it in time. Yeah. But Thank it explained God. a lot. Because a lot of people said, You don't go to class. And they said, Not when I'm performing. Uh, when I'm not performing, I go all the time.
3: Yeah, of course. You know?
0: But, you know, because I could only take a couple of hours, you know, uh, uh, matinee days were tough on me. Uh, really tough and so uh, I would just either stay in or go home and eat and come back I didn't do go out all the time you know like Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends went out I went from time to time but I mostly stayed in because I was exhausted
3: yeah of course
0: and now it made sense I just thought everybody felt like that (laughs) they were covering up (laughs) just me oh I'm fine (laughs) I just thought everybody
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Now, can we talk a little bit about over here, mm.
3: yeah. which
1: was a big, big moment for your for you in your career? It was
3: huge!
0: Yeah. T-
1: tell us about that, Pat Birch, the the Andrew sisters.
0: Well, first of all, not to take anything away from Bob, because if Bob and all these great director choreographers that I worked with didn't highlight the ensemble so much, I still would be lost.
3: Mm.
0: But Pat Birch came to see Pippin. And I got a call from her and uh, when I went in, uh, she, you know, this is when you still were on, you would walk on stage and they were in the audience, just like the show of Chorus Line. Uh, now everybody goes to the studio, but right. and I walk on stage and this woman stands up and points to me and says, that's her. And she got me that job. She did. I, I talk about going in three times again. She's the one who supported me. And then she did this amazing jitterbug for John Minio and myself. And she really believed in me. So I always try to, I, I always give amazing credit to everybody I worked with, and of course to Bob, because he was a huge part of my entire career. But I have to let people know that. Pat Birch gave me my first principal part. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Bob didn't hire me back until I got nominated <laughs> for Good Time Charlie.
3: <laughs> Sorry, Bob. So, Sorry.
0: Finally, he asked me back, you know.
1: <laughs> you see? Had to get that Tony now. So can we talk a little bit about Good Time Charlie?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, before we do, I want to yeah. say that when I, I, I knew who the Emperor sisters were because my oh, dad yes. loved them. Oh, yeah, please. love them. And I heard all their albums because he played them. You know, 78s, that's how old I am. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, 78 records. <laughs> so. Not uh,
2: 78, 78 records,
3: guys. That's yes. why, no, I'm just yes. 70 yes.
0: now, but let's talk in eight years. But, <laughs> um. <laughs> and wait. Uh, so I knew them, but I did not know that they were like rock stars in their day yeah. because also the war, they represented hope. They were everywhere. They were huge stars. And I had no idea. People were running down the aisles and throwing flowers on stage at, screaming, like at a rock concert. They, all these people that looked like my parents, they were <laughs> just gone <laughs> all crazy. Oh, crazy. And I, I this realized, is like
2: 30 years after the war. You figure 30 years, yeah, you know, that, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, 30 plus years. Yeah, because yeah. the war ended uh, that would be eighty forty
2: four. Yeah. Yeah, oh, forty four. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. So um yeah, it was amazing. And I really, you know, I, I liked them and I was glad I knew who they were. But when I found out exactly who they were, I was really impressed. Mm, and mm-hmm. and once again, they turned out to be nice people. You know, I you know <laughs> I asked Maxine, I said, can you I, everybody asks this of you, and you can say no. I'm doing the disclaimer. I said, but my dad has a major crush on you, and, and I know who you are because of my dad. Do you mind coming out to dinner after the show? She goes, Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like a regular gal, you know. Yeah. And, and my dad was. It was a, probably the best moment, <laughs> at, other than having children and getting married oh, in his life in his life you know and she too was just she was remarkable they both were
2: classy yeah classy yeah
0: Yeah. so there's a good time charlie uh that was peter hunt who fought for me and uh wanted me and the director uh brown i can't remember his first name now max brown that's it Thank no you. Yep. So smart. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> it's I'm, the
1: internet, but thank you. <laughs> <That's to laughs> these magical, magical devices.
0: So you know, um, they were on my side, and uh, not that others weren't. It's just that they were convinced they were the first to be convinced that uh, mm-hmm. this would mm-hmm. be a good person to have to play Joan of Arc, and uh, and I was dying to. Um, so I kept going once again. I had to, by the time I got they got through auditioning me, it was over and over and over, uh I, I had earned it. So, and I probably knew about half the show by then. And uh and that was really wonderful because it was great to work with Joel. I adored Peter Hunt. Um, he was a such a supportive um uh director. And he also was a good actor and a great lighting designer. So he he had an immense amount of work under his belt. Mm -hmm. And he had a cockeyed sense of humor, which I adored. And it was very evident with Peter Stone's book, uh, 1776. So he was the director for that. So those sensibilities I I loved. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just a little quirky. So it was a lot of fun to to be a saint, the two things that every actor wants to do is be a saint or a sinner. So <laughs> I went right from uh, Joan of Arc. I, I did Cassie once again, you know, uh, uh, more of a saint than anything. And yes. then after Cassie, I did Broxy. So I literally went from saint to sinner. So uh, that that was a very nurturing uh, three or four years to go from over here to Good Time Charlie, get a nomination, which was remarkable for me because it, mm-hmm. it proves that I was, uh, you know, I wasn't a fluke that I, you, know, you could hire. I, I, I'm yes, of course. Material kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, to that, to, uh, Cassie and we went in uh, two months right after it opened because the uh, New York, most of the New York show went to LA, San Francisco and LA. So talk about somebody with a large amount of energy. Um, uh, Donna came in to teach some of the Cassie dance and she did the first two steps in this whack big, huge, yeah. <laughs> and my knees buckled. I thought, I thought, Oh my God, I almost fainted. There was so much energy that came off of her. And that woman is strong. I mean, strong yeah. and, uh, and stay feminine to be that strong and still, you know, very yeah. feminine. And, and, uh, um, oh, she was amazing. So um, so I had that experience working with Michael again, then going into uh, um, uh, Chicago right. where not only was I being directed and redirected with Bob and re choreographed some of it but when was there teaching a lot of it to me along with Catherine Doby that's not that unusual in the in the, in the the dance world. The ballerina always teaches the next generation.
2: Mm. Oh, that's uh, worth saying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because it's a hands-on, uh, it's a visual art. And yeah, you can learn the steps
2: from but a visual. Interpretation. Uh, which,
0: well, yeah, oh, yeah. But it's the heart, the imparting the images, uh, the demonstration of it. Uh, when Gwen was teaching, especially Sweet Charity to me, it was like having Galena Yulanova teach you Giselle, oh. one of the greatest Giselles in the world, you know, and this was one of the greatest dancers in the world. And her, her, uh, that part of Sweet Charity is like the Swan Lake of Broadway. It really <laughs> tests your meta. Yes, no. And uh, it's, uh, it was great. Uh, the, the education from, from uh, Pippin, well, from, all, from day one, the education was stunning.
1: And I'm assuming that carried on through the creation of dancing. Is that correct?
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah uh, I was doing pre-production with Bob and Chris Chadman, who's another person that Bob started, uh, recommended as a choreographer. And Bob really jump-started his career uh, that way, by just by recommending Chris. And, uh, but it was like, just, it was Catherine Dobie, Chris, uh, myself, uh, You know, Benedict and Bob and and Gwen was back and forth. And um, and, uh, 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 the music director, uh, Gordon Harrell. Mm -hmm. And talk about watching something being created from day one. It was the same for Chicago because I was with Bob while he was making Chicago with Fred and John, Fred Ebb and John Kander. And talk about three brilliant human beings. And I I was uh, privy to that. You know, um, all the fun, uh, Can You
2: speak a little room. bit about some of those, maybe a little bit. Is like it? what? Some? Could you speak a little bit about like some of the the fun, some of the work, some of the oh, you know? Yeah, just yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Um, we'll never be able to be in a room with Kander and Eb together, let alone with Kander yeah, I know, and Fossey. Let alone the
3: three. You know,
2: yeah. and like, and we don't need to see it on TV. I'd like to see, like, to hear about what it really is like. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, they work really hard. First, first <laughs> and foremost, everybody works hard, but they like it, and uh, I love the day that. I found out that they, uh, here's the Countess of the Clink, the Mistress of Murderer's Row, uh, that they decided to do this number all about reciprocity, that she's the Wheeler Dealer. And she's, and they were, at that time, she was a Sophie Tucker-like character. And uh, so the the defining of each character, and because it was originally called a musical vaudeville, Uh, What kind of vaudevillian are they and what do they do? Mm. Um, uh, The other one was, uh, well, all that jazz. He loved all that jazz. And he said, you've got to get them right off the bat and make the glamour so wonderful And so much fun and so entertaining and so talented that by the time you get to razzle dazzle, you can tell them all, you can do the moral of the story and, and say, you know, this really isn't a good thing to do, to glamorize this kind of stuff and, uh, and wheel and deal in, in the downsides of life, but you like all of them. So every, like, um, uh, Oh, you could have to look this up for me. It's the uh the Vaudevillian who uh made popular the song I Ain't Got Nobody. Because that's who uh, Burt Williams. Was. That's it. Yeah. You're just so smart. Can you stay with no, me forever stop stop like the You know it. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought that was fascinating. Okay, he's Burt Williams. You know, what I mean they were Yeah. Uh, so you're getting etiquette along the way when they thought that uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, the keeper of the keys the countess of the clink the mistress of murderers row matron mama morton they were so proud of themselves doing that whole uh, you know um uh, all that alliteration, they they loved it, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and they were laughing, craft. having fun. All of them lost about forty years and turned fourteen. Very talented fourteen-year-olds, but <laughs> young. They just they just got young right off the bat, right. and they were having such a good time. What was fun. unfortunate was when Bob had the heart attack and had well, to have an operation. It changed him for a while. He was terrorized, and as you know, men can't show their vulnerability. So he, he, he had a hard time, but in spite of that, everybody continued to support him. He, he made a great show. The three of them made a absolutely perfect show. I don't think they knew how good it was. I honestly don't think, I did. I thought it was one of the best things I'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, right up there with, you know, My Fair Lady. You know, these perfect shows. And uh, I don't think they did. So I was so glad that we did the, um, uh, what is it, the Encore series. Yeah. I was going to
1: ask you, what was it like to revisit it 20 years later?
0: Fabulous. It was so... Wonderful. Once, uh, Walter Bobby said it, I said, it has to be done in the style of Bob Fosse. He was one of the authors and it's so dance oriented. We've got to have all the concepts the saying, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. It's got to be done in the style of Bob Fosse and you have to give him credit. So he said, fine, you know, because he said there's just as much verbiage and all the steps that there are in the lyrics and the words. So, um, once that was okay by everybody, it fell into place. All the people who were right to be in the show were all free. And, and then they were free again three months later when we went on Broadway. And that doesn't normally happen.
1: Did, did you know? I mean, did you know going into it, like, this is going to spark something again? Or were you just, you, yeah.
0: Well, I wasn't sure that it was going to do what it did. I knew it was going to be good. Uh, Especially when when I saw uh, the set, you know, it's this giant jewelry box and it's black and that's good and it's got a gold trim and that's good. It's all uh, lights as part of the, you know, part of the look of it. It was elegant to look at it. We were all going to wear, you know, present day clothes. But always in black, so you could project whatever you want. We're floating it. Once I saw that set and that concept, and then they were going to make Bob equal in this uh, uh, show. I said, we're, "We're good. We're good." I didn't. I had no idea that it was. I thought it'd last a couple of years. I had no idea it was going to be what it is. I'm very happy about it. I really wish that Bob could have seen that um well let's hope he's up in heaven as i say yeah, all the time yeah. uh, um uh seeing that he really was he didn't give himself a lot of credit one time he he gave himself he said okay i i i guess i'm a master craftsman and that's the most compliments complimentary wow. vision he had of himself
3: sure you know? wow.
0: um he didn't realize that he was as good as he was and maybe that's Good, you know, you do need humbling yeah. uh, qualities to take care, of, keep your talent healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not a lot, but a little <laughs>
1: bit. <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like, when you created
3: a little just pierce, when
1: you uh were a pro I'm assuming you were approached for the on course thing, did you know that you were going to play Roxy did that come later on or okay
0: later um I don't want to say who it was because this person would have made it a hit as well so uh and we'd have gone on but she couldn't get out of an engagement and they said they were going to sue her if she did and uh so she couldn't and we tried to rearrange uh The actual dates that it would be on so we do different days instead of over a long weekend um, that it would be different days and they couldn't do that because other people were scheduled to go into city center so everybody started looking at me and I said, no, I said, I'm 20 pounds overweight, you know, but they know I, I, I knew the show. And, uh, yeah. I said, 20 pounds overweight. I haven't been in front of anybody in a long time. Da-da-da-da-da. And Walter Bobby blessed his heart because this, this is what did it. He said, Oh, and you can bowl your way through four shows. And I went, I can. <laughs> I, I can't say it beyond sports shows. It's the dancer
2: spark. It's yeah. that, yeah. yes, yeah. you can.
0: <laughs> of course. I love it. I know, because oh. this was on a Friday. And, and uh, what is it? It was Friday before we actually started on Monday for those 10 days before you go on stage.
2: So it, that was when you decided to take... On the part, that's
0: no. a, yeah, that's when I said, "Okay, I'll, I'll do it." That was on a Friday because we we were, we we, were, <laughs> we really wanted this other person. <laughs> I guess so. And so I, I thought I was filling in, being a good girl and being a nice. Well, girl. yeah. And that I I, I know I was good in the role, you know, so I mean, okay. I'm not putting myself down in, in a, in a know, way, but um, I knew I could do the role. I knew it'd be it'd be fine. I had worked with BB before. We're great together. Mm. We charity and we have, and we had also done our own version of Chicago with Julia Prowse that I incorporated. So we had worked together at least three times and, uh, loved every minute of it. We get along and, uh, and we're good and we know. So I didn't think it was like trying to shove somebody that wasn't appropriate into the park. Right. Uh, but I just thought, well, that's it. And, uh, I'll do that. And, and then it just mushroomed into this. and But I did lose twenty pounds before we opened in September. I believe that <laughs> I. I,
2: the, I know the old dancer instincts it's took right. over. That yeah,
0: gave it all back. Now with it's stuff. eight shows a week. It's eight shows a week now. <laughs> and it's,
1: and it's, a Tony Award, a yeah, Tony Award for this. Yeah, Gosh. it was great.
0: It was great. Yeah. And it yeah. was something that what I said I really meant that I had to thank Bob for he stood up for me so many times was just what I actually said. And, and, uh, it, it was his, uh, it was his Tony, but I know he would have been very proud of me. You know, I, I know I, you know, sometimes, you know, that even you, you can't take it away from yourself, you know, that you did a good job and, because I'm, my, a lot of us are our worst critics, but worst. it's really strong. If even you can't take it away from you. That's <laughs> how strong it was. <laughs> you
2: you know, did the I, work you know. too. I mean, you were there. The you did all the work too. I, got, I was
0: there. I was lucky, yes. and I was happy because right after that, uh, Gwen had asked me to to do Fosse. Yeah, and uh, and I was ready to do it. You know, I I, I had enough work under my belt. Bob's work and of of you know directing and choreographing that I knew I could strings together and make whole. Yeah. And uh and, and, and so did Gwen. So she she's she got me the job. And she also got she was the reason why Chicago is also an integral reason why Chicago is a hit, is because she allowed us to do this show because she owned She'll the show. It. She was one yeah. of the owners, yeah.
3: Right. So
0: so she she said yes to many things. And that's a lot of, uh, affirmation. And, uh, cause she, I know I'm his champion, but Gwen is his champion, 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 yeah. and she, she really believed in him and, she, uh, she was right. And she's the one who started the lab for, um, Bob's work and she brought people in who Bob had choreographed for. So I went in a few times. This
2: is the start um, of Fosse. This is the, yeah, like, the, 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 the beginnings
0: two years mm-hmm. before we actually got on Broadway. It's yeah. a laboratory experience at Broadway dance center and, um, you know, just recreating all these numbers. And I saw numbers that I had never seen before, like cool and Luke, which I thought was just the most, and the most beautiful, tender, beautiful, elegant pieces, piece of work I had ever seen. And mm-hmm. if you weren't watching, uh, I think it was Bob Hope for that five minutes, you'd never see it. Yeah, because it was the TV, right? And but she taught all those TV things, and uh, along with dances that nobody knows other than Gwen, like from um, Irby Fitch from Redhead, that kind of stuff. Yep. So, uh, just wonderful, wonderful wealth. She had a, um, what is it, photographic memory. She could remember everything, oh. including num- numbers, actual numbers, like five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Numbers that you dance to. But, uh, you know, she just had it. And she took care of all of Bob's shows. So she had been my employer along with Bob for about 15 years, and then mm-hmm. longer because she said okay to being able to do uh, – chicago as well as 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 Fosse. so um she's was one of the best bosses probably i ever had you know so oh. she was a good good human being it's astounding how how good she is
3: you know it, as a and it's nice
2: it's really refreshing to hear so many memories and see her, you never hear a bad word. Like, you never, ever, mm-hmm. ever hear a bad anecdote about Gwen Burton. You just hear, you see a, a, a sparkle in the eyes of every yeah. person we talk to, you know, and let alone people that really knew her well. Did, when you guys were putting the Fosse, you know, dances together, at what point did, was it, did we say, okay, this is going to be like a real, I mean, let alone be a big old, you know, hit, but at what point did we say, we got a show here? We, we know we're going to put this together and make this a new sort of like dance in 2.0, mm-hmm. literally. To the, for the year 2000.
0: Um, yeah it was um, uh, well the numbers were beautifully reconstructed uh, but um, it was a really young group of people and, and both Gwen and I agreed we've got to get some older people in this company. We need character uh, and uh, and also people who because we still could get people who had already worked with Bob and loved him and was devoted to his work. So, once we got that in and uh, and the casting was done, uh, like who's gonna dance what, and I did three hours and 15 minutes. I produced, I made the, I didn't make them. I fortunately, they decided to do the three hours and 15 minutes and then we'll see what floats up. But, What it did do is that I had the light plots, the costumes, the set, and uh, the orchestrations for all those numbers that we didn't do so that it could become modular. So like when I, when I did Hamburg, it was, it was a lot different Mm. from the one. I did not
2: know that. Oh, wow. So you could sort of mix and match as, as necessary. Yeah.
0: The Fossies are great people to work with. Let me put it that way. (laughs) And I enjoyed working with Nicole tremendously, because she was in on some of the things, because Bob had done uh, this brilliant piece of, this brilliant ballet to a jazz version of the Firebird, the Firebird, on point. And I wanted that in there, but it was hard to find a, a ballerina who was as strong as Nicole, that wanted to do ensemble work. Because this the Fosse was an ensemble piece. Everybody got their moment in the sun, some more than others. Uh, but it was ensembles, so you mm-hmm. needed someone who had that mentality and also had enough talent to to do solo to be a star, you know. So oh yeah, so there you have it. So I, that's about I, it, isn't I, it? <laughs> I love that.
1: And our last our last question for you is, you know, what do you know now about yourself as a performer, as a director, that you wish you had known when you first started out?
0: yeah yeah i've I've been asked to write letters to my younger self you know uh, a woman in australia a beautiful spirit. Uh, she out of the blue asked if I would write a letter to my younger self. And and I was this age now, 70, maybe 69, but you know, because when I did it the first time I was in my forties and that's a different answer when you're in your forties, right. There, were, it, it was good. It's fine. You know, but uh, it was basically when I said my forties, don't worry about your future. You won't be lonely. You will be fine. Just trust. You'll be all right. That things will work out. Well, when I was in my, Late sixties and seventy uh, it was even more, and it was listen to that voice inside of you. it is the smart one, and if you hear it even slightly, your conscience, don't do it. yeah, if it's saying no, say no. If it's saying yes, go ahead. don't take the kind of it's not to say don't risk take, but if you hear that voice, pay attention to it. That's the one that got to me the most because I think. I think every performer has this classic notion that you've been fooling them, you know, or you've been lucky for 40 years, which obviously nobody's lucky for 40 years, but you get in this mentality of, of uh, of thinking that they're going to find me out or she's better than me. Anyway. um, Finally, I realized that I could appreciate myself without being a jerk about it. And also that my instincts were good. And uh, that's something that Freda taught me. You know, I would go shopping uh, and we were doing the visit and he was still alive and I would shop it. We were in uh, Chicago and I had this watch and then another watch. And I said, which watch do you like the most? And he picked that one. I got me too. I like that one. And then I kept doing it. And finally it was handkerchiefs. Which handkerchief do you like better? This one or this one? He pointed me too. I shouldn't trust my first instincts. And he goes like this. He pointed at me and he said, see, and then he was very nice to me. And he said, and you have to understand it's not like your second instinct was bad, but your first instinct is the best. The second one was good, but the first one's better. That is valuable. And mm. working with someone like Fred or Gwen and all these people that we've been talking about, they are nurturing people and they allow you to eventually believe in yourself yeah. without being, you know, you know, stupid about it. You yes. Know? Yeah. That's yes. Yeah. 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 And that's a great um, gift.
1: And your your time with us today has been such a special gift for us. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And a big thanks to Michael Kubala, a previous guest who was able to put us. He's the best who put us in contact. And this was so wonderful and so special. I hope you stay safe and healthy out there and have a good old time for the the rest of the week.
0: Thank you. I hope you do too. And thanks so much. Thank
2: you for listening to today's episode. And a big thanks to the Punchy Players, Jeff Marquis, who is bringing back Lucy, Betty, Judy, and more to shill for us. And a
1: big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki.
2: And don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you come in.
1: In order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, Click on ratings and reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day.
2: Or you can leave us just one star and you can make us feel as baddie, baddie, bad as Annie did in that really weird production in Boston where Annie dreamt that she was being adopted, but then she ended up back in the orphanage, right back where she started. Yeah, true story. Rob saw it.
1: Yes, and it was baddie. It was bizarre. I was there. I was. Oh god. So head on over to iTunes and make us feel even more special than we already did.